Welcome to Heart Church. We believe that the gospel has the power to change your whole life or your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Well, I'm excited to come and speak to you today in the area of worship. And um, I'm going to um, just start with the, the, the scripture that is. Um, uh, underpinned the series, which is from John chapter 4, verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks." I find it interesting that John speaks to the fact that amongst the worshippers, there is a specific kind of worshipper who are called the true worshippers. In other words, there is a distinct group of people who are true worshippers. And the true worshippers, they worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I think it's good, it's good just to uh, remind ourselves that worship is not about me. Um, You know, people will say, you know, I love the worship. Oh, wasn't it a lovely worship today? I loved it. Well, that's awesome, but it wasn't for you, love. It was, it was, it was, there's nothing wrong with enjoying it, but but it's not about me. It's not about my preference. It's not about whether they sang my song or not. It's not whether they sang a hymn or not. It's my enjoyment of this moment is way down the list. It's, I, and, and listen, I get it because the whole of our life is wired. The world wires us to put ourselves at the center of the story. But worship doesn't put me at the center of the story. I am not the focus. Jesus is the focus. The kind of worshippers the Father seeks are those who put Jesus at the center. Worship is an activity that I do on earth that ultimately I'm going to do for eternity. There's not, there's not a lot of things that we can say that of because we do a lot of things on earth that we're not going to do for eternity. But worship is one of those things that we're going to do for eternity. So if you don't like the worship, you're going to have a tough time in eternity because we're going to be doing a lot of it. I love the fact that Andy taught us last week that that. Actually, uh, we will all worship. We, we are designed, in the same way we're designed to breathe, we are designed to worship. And everyone, whether they are a believer or not, will find something to worship. Whether that's football or money or food or clothes or exercise or music or shopping, you name it, we will find something to give our focus attention and adoration. But God never intended our focus and attention to be given to things. That is 
for him. Worship is about what or who has your heart. Worship is about what or who has your heart. When I worship in spirit and in truth, I transfer my focus and affections on to Jesus. I also want to remind us that being a true worshipper is not earned through length of service. Honestly, it doesn't, I don't, mean how, I don't mean how long the service takes. I'm talking about how long you've been worshipping. It's, there are no experts here. It doesn't matter how many years you have been worshipping. It doesn't make you a better worshipper than someone who has been worshipping a short time. Because the quality and calibre of our worship is determined by my coming in humility before a mighty God. I'm going, to seek, I'm going to seek today to be as practical as I possibly can to really help us engage with the process of what worship truly is. So I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures as pointers for this. The first one is Acts 3 verse 8. And, and, and this speaks to, uh, it speaks of Peter at the gate beautiful uh, where the man was healed. And the Bible says that he went leaping up, he stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. He'd been healed. He was a cripple. He'd been a cripple all his life. But but Jesus said, sorry, Peter said, Jesus, Peter said whatever he said. (laughs) Peter said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you. And, and, and that man jumped up and he went leaping and, and, and walking and praising God. Of course he did. And in a way, that's what praise is. Praise is when I uh, come to God and give thanks and gratitude for all he has done. It's important to say thank you. If, you, if anyone spends any time around my beautiful wife, you, you can be sure that she will always take opportunity to say, guys, let's stop and give thanks. It's important. Jesus valued it. Jesus felt it was important when it came to those 10 le- lepers. He made a point about the fact that only one of them came back to say thank you. It's important. But how, how and why do I give thanks? Well, I, I, I believe that, that, that worship begins with thanksgiving. So it's how I enter the process because I think we can talk so conceptually sometimes about these things, thinking that everybody's on the same page and everyone understands. And, 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 and maybe you don't understand and maybe you've not really felt able to ask. We're just all, you know, blagging it, hoping that we're getting it right. But worship Worship begins with gratitude. I love this. In Psalm 100, in the message version, this is why it said, it talks about enter, enter into God's presence. It's enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank Him, worship Him. We enter God's presence with the password, thank you. Thank you is the password 
into his presence. So my worship begins with thanksgiving. That's how I start. We come into his presence with thanksgiving in our heart. And, and what does that look like? Thank you, Father. I might, I might, I might not even be in the, the mood or the mode of worshiping, but I can begin with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you that I have a health and strength to get out of bed this morning. Thank you, Father, that I've got a roof over my head. Thank you for my family. Thank you for, that I've got a job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you is my password. That's where I start. That's where I begin the process of my worship and Thank you is the password. Now I want you to take that, that praise experience, someone who's been healed. Hallelujah, praise God. I was blind, but now I see I was crippled, but now I walk. This is awesome. You know, it's like, of course, you are going to jump up and give thanks to God. But I want to contrast it with this in, in, in Acts 16. And, and this is talking about um, Paul and Silas. Let me read this. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, which incidentally was the place they, they kept the most dangerous criminals and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners uh, had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. If you can, I just want you for a moment to put yourself in the place of Paul and Silas. They have been severely flogged. They are bleeding. They are bruised. They are in tremendous pain. Their feet are in stocks. They are sat down. They can't lie down. And so they're in tremendous discomfort. It is very, very distressing. And I want to I say this um, because I don't believe that in that moment they both were thinking, oh, do you know what a good idea would be to have a worship, a worship time? Because I, I don't think they honestly in that moment really felt like worshipping. I think it's also important to remember that I don't, I don't have to feel that my worship is working for it to be working. I don't always feel that my worship is working, but it is still working. Sometimes I might feel like my worship is just bouncing off the walls, but it is still 
working. In fact, sometimes, sometimes I feel that my worship is at its most weighty when I've got all the reason in the world not to worship. And yet I still do. And I think that's true. I think that's true of Paul and Silas that in this moment, they had all the reason in the world not to. They were in pain. They were in great, they were in great distress, but they found a place, a place where they could just begin to say. You know, I think it's interesting that it was about midnight. I mean, midnight usually were asleep, but they couldn't sleep. How could they sleep? But they began to worship. Often, I worship myself into a place of worshipping. I think that some of us think that we've got to be so holier than thou to be a worshipper. Sometimes I can turn up and I don't even, you know, I've got so many things going on in my mind, going on in my life, that that it's really difficult to actually uh, centre down on on worshipping. But but I I work at worshipping. I, I give my attention to Jesus. I work, I, I, I work at worshiping. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what mood you're in. It doesn't matter if you've had a good week or a bad week. It doesn't matter if you've had a good night's sleep or a bad night's sleep. God is still worthy of our praise. Amen. To worship means to come in humility. And say, this moment is not about me. I'm in the presence of a great and awesome God. And he is worthy of my focus and attention, irrespective of how I feel. Worship is less about what God has done for me and more about who he is. Some of us believe that worship begins the moment the band strike up. I want to say that's not the moment worship begins. I believe our worship begins the moment our eyes open. And I think we need to, I want to assure you that even if you don't understand or value what worship is, we've got a devil who absolutely knows the value of worship and will do everything that he can to interfere with your worship experience. That's why, you know, That's why sometimes we can struggle, uh, you know, in even getting ready and coming to church. I mean, we've not really been coming to church over the last year, but some of us can remember that, you know, the kids won't cooperate. You maybe, you fall out with your spouse. There's, there's so much that seems to, seem to go wrong on a Sunday morning. You know, someone can look at you funny in the car park and send you into a tailspin or whatever. And, and there's, those things are all designed to rob you of your attention. Rob you of your opportunity to connect with God because the enemy would love it if all you did was go through the motions. Sing your songs and just look like you're worshipping, but actually there's no connection. He wants us to arrive at church upset and distracted. He wants us to just 
go through the motions. That's why we have to work at worship. Paul and Silas were in great pain and great discomfort, yet they found a way of being more God-conscious than self-conscious. Even with all that was going on, they managed to focus on God. And that is because of what they carried into the prison. It was about the place they lived from. I want us to understand that worship isn't just something that we do when we get to church. Worship is meant to be part of our everyday life. Paul and Silas lived from that place. That's why in their agony, they were able to sit there and just say, oh God, I love you. Oh God, I worship you. Ah, Jesus, I love you. Ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus. They began to worship out from their pain. They didn't need a band. They didn't need YouTube. They didn't need a Spotify playlist. And all those things are absolutely fine. But all they had in that prison cell was a prayer and a hymn that they had memorized. And it was enough. I want to remind us that, that God wants us to worship throughout our Day. It's not just the song you listen to that will help you be a worshiper. It's the song you carry in your heart. You might, you might wake up in the morning and just have a phrase of a song that keeps going round in your mind. And maybe, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to get frustrated you don't know the whole song or one of your kids might tell you, oh, dad, you're singing the wrong words to the wrong tune. And I want to say that doesn't matter. The song that's in your heart is something I believe that God wants to use to minister to you. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you, Maybe you find yourself just carrying a tune or of a song, you can't even remember the words or, or it, it's just something that releases worship in you. I want to suggest you go with that. Hum it, sing it. It's a moment in each day that I can take to focus on Him. It's just something that flows from your heart. I remember um, I, was, I was lying down when I was having the um, MRI scan in the, in the process of uh, having the, uh, the cancer diagnosis, which, you know, we thank God. We thank God it's, you know, it's gone. But I remember at that time, I didn't know any of that. It was a very stressful environment I was in the room and if you've ever been in a room with the MRI it's a very noisy 
clicking, whirring. I was on my own. My mind was racing. I was anxious and, and fearful. And I just began to say over and over as I lay there, Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I praise you. With all the noise and all the noise in my own head, I just began to speak out his name. And in all that turmoil, he came to me. Peace flooded my soul. Peace flooded that room. And suddenly, in the midst of having an MRI scan, that place became an altar. And that cluttered room, a holy place. I was reminded that worship isn't only for church. But it lifts me out of my circumstances and even has the power to change my circumstances as it did, as it did for Paul and Silas. Will you turn your attention towards him when you're changing that nappy, when you're cooking dinner, when the kids have driven you to the end of yourself? Will you turn your attention towards him? When you're having a bad day at work, take a moment. You know what? You can nip to the toilet. You can stand in that cubicle. Turn your attention towards Him. And in that moment, that cubicle becomes a holy place. And you just stand there. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just talking about standing there saying, Jesus, I love you. I don't understand what's going on right now. And Jesus, to be honest, you feel a million miles away. But I choose to believe you. I choose to trust you. I choose to believe that you have the power to still the storm that's going on inside me, to give me that peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, I've known so many powerful times of worship in church and and, and, and they're awesome. But I want you to know, I believe that our powerful moments of worship are built upon those small, seemingly insignificant moments of worship that we take in the course of the day. I don't think myself into a place of worship. I worship myself into a place of worship. You know, sometimes what that means, and you may have seen people do anything, I don't know why they do that, but sometimes I will, I will raise my hands in surrender. You know, they say, come out with your hands up. It means you're showing surrender. God, I surrender to you. I give in. God, I've been fighting you over this. I've been fighting you over that. I give in. I surrender. You know everything. I trust you. Sometimes I'll I'll raise my hands like this. That's a, a sign that it's an expression of vulnerability and openness to receive. 
I'm saying in those moments, God, I need something from you. I need you to do something for me. Sometimes if I'm having trouble engaging with, I say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. I'm I'm finding it hard to concentrate, Lord. I'm finding it hard to get in the right place. Help me, Holy Spirit, to come and not waste this moment of worship. Because I believe that God values that honesty. I believe that God values truth. The kind of worshipper the Father seeks are those who come and worship in spirit and in truth. One of the things that I just want to conclude with is that Paul and Silas, they, they worshipped and all the prisoners were listening and then, and then the, the presence of God flooded that prison cell as, as, as in the form of an earthquake. And all the doors flew open and all the chains fell off. And, and what was amazing was this, that all those prisoners who had been forced to attend a worship service that they never wanted to go to or never asked to go to, that they were there and... and Chains falling off, doors open. I'm telling you, the most sensible, logical thing is that all prisoners make an exit. But they didn't, they stayed. Paul said to the jailer, hey, we're all, we're all here. Could it be that, could it be that the presence of God was so intense in that prison that they felt more free in the prison than they'd ever felt out there? They just wanted to be in His presence. I've never felt anything like this. Some years ago, I went to pray for a a lady who was dying from cancer. I was asked to pray because someone knew that I believed in miracles. I still do. I still believe that God can cure people. He can cure cancer. But there was not, there wasn't that miracle there that day. I can tell you this. I walked in, she was in a private room because she was very near the end of her life. And, and I, I stepped into the room. And I don't know whether any of you have been overseas, you know, you're putting in the chat about countries you've, you've visited. Um, you know, sometimes if you've been to Africa or to Asia, you can step off your air-conditioned plane and it's like that heat and humidity just hits you. And as I walked into that, into that private room, it wasn't heat and humidity that hit me. It was the presence, the presence of God. And it was so intense that as I walked in, I couldn't say a word. I couldn't speak. My eyes filled with tears. And, and it was unexplainable. And the amazing thing was this, that there were doctors, there were at least two doctors and two nurses while I was there who kept coming into the room And they kept saying, what is it? What is it? And they went out and they came and did their, they went and did their jobs and then they came back again because they couldn't define it, but it was the presence, the presence of God. Everyone who went in that room knew they were experiencing something that they would never forget. I believe the true worship is being drawn back to the presence of God. Let us 
give our attention towards Him now. Use the password. Thank you. And as you adjust from your scattered thoughts and all distraction, we come to Him, the one true living God. Right now, wherever you are, wherever you are in this room, around this city, in other nations, just begin to praise Him. Begin to worship Him now. Use the password. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Do something supernatural in this moment. Cause us, oh God, to shift our attention, to turn towards Him, the one true living God. We love you. Just begin to worship Him. Begin to worship Him. Begin to worship Him. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. We thank you. 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 You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.